This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So um, it's been a while for me. I know that you heard my voice last week because um, I recorded two episodes two weeks ago, so I was able to post one during Thanksgiving break. Hope that everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Um, now it's December, so we're getting towards the end of the year right here. I know that here at Trine, we got, after this week, we got one more week of classes, and then it's on to finals week. So, um, yeah, it's really time to hunker down up here. So, have just able to enjoy while it lasts. And, um, yeah, I got an interesting episode today. Um, I was looking through basketball reference of uh, this day in basketball history. And for the day this episode comes out, December 2nd, um, we saw the biggest blowout ever an NBA game, and it happened a year ago today. So uh, we'll go ahead and take a look at that. I'm also going to talk a little bit about uh, current college basketball just to um, – I got some stuff to talk about. So, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. All right, let's start out with the uh, college basketball talk. Um, one heck of a whole week when it came to the Thanksgiving tournaments um, – as I said in my episode that came out two weeks ago, just um, it's the best. It's other than March, it's the best time of year for basketball, in my opinion, just because you see so many matchups that you're not going to see really that much again until another tournament pops up. And it's revolving. You never know who's going to be in these tournaments. So it's always great to see. Who's going to go up against who? And, I mean, Maui was incredible. Um, Creighton, Arizona, and Arkansas were all great matchups. Um, just incredible. And then we get to the Phil Knight stuff. And I was telling people, like, before those games started, like, I'm going to enjoy Purdue being ranked for this week just because that's the toughest tournament it's it's a toss-up between it and Maui, honestly. And um, so I was like, I think we'll get a win against West Virginia, but then after that we'll have to play Gonzaga, and then we'll see what happens from there. So I um, was expecting what Purdue did when they do what they had to do. They beat West Virginia, then they go up against Gonzaga. And now I'm just like, all right, we'll see what happens. I had a game to call the next day. And that game didn't start till like 11.30. So I was up till 1.30 in the morning watching that game, just being as ecstatic as anyone probably on earth. Um, no one was really in the building, so I could, you know, kind of, you know, celebrate a little bit. Um, just a heck of a game. And, you know, a lot of people I – I never understood this. A lot of people were saying – Interesting, Mark Few is not having a Drew Timmy guard Zach Eady. Of course he's not. Drew Timmy's not a center. He, he played center like one year in his whole college career. Like, he's not a center. He's played, again, he's played with Chet Holmgren, and then in his freshman year, he was playing with Killian Tilly 
and a bunch of other guys who were centers. So he hasn't played center. Like, and he, like, I guess you could call him a center in his sophomore year when they were playing with, you know, he's with Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert and all them. But you're just like, but he's not really a center. Yeah, he's pretty good in the post, but I mean, he stretches out a lot. I mean, he's, he's a stretch four just playing as a five. You know, so I'm like, yeah, of course it's not ha- he's not guarding Zach Eadie. He's not a center. So um, it was really good to see Purdue go up against Gonzaga. And I know Gonzaga has been a team to where, like, people are like, well, should they be as good as they were put up in the first place? Like, you have Drew Timmy, Julian Strother is really good. You got to figure out sort of the rest of it. They have a pretty solid lineup, but um, – just that of a game overall. That's a Gonzaga team that, if they're not a number one seed, I think people may be surprised. Um, if they're not like a top, if they're not within like the top two or three seeds, you know, like if they're not one, two, or three, people are going to be really surprised. And I mean, part of that is because of WCC, but you know, if they're going to move to the Big Twelve, then they're going to have to prove themselves. But um. Yeah, heck of a game there, and um, then they go to play Duke, and I was excited against for Duke because Duke would be Oregon State by one, and you no know, Purdue plays played Gonzaga, and they beat them by almost twenty, and an utter domination down the stretch by Purdue. In the last, like, nine minutes, Duke only scored one point, and it was, you know, and it was just incredible. The freshman for Purdue really showed out. Braden Smith is now my favorite player in the country. Um, Fletcher Lawyer is really up is up there. Um, just a lot of really good games that went on th- for that team. And then they jumped up to five from meteoric rise from – you know, 24 to 5. But um, then they go into Florida State for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and they barely walk out with a win. And um, ACC rule, ruled again in that challenge. And, you know, I wasn't impressed by – well, obviously with the Big Ten losing, you're not impressed by it. But there was a lot of games where, like, when even the Big Ten won, you weren't impressed by it. Purdue was one of them. Michigan State got absolutely torched by Notre Dame, at least in the first half. I'm not sure what the final score was that game. 70-52, to Notre Dame just killed them. So Michigan State's probably going to drop out of the top 25. So there was those. Then the IU game. This is the one game that everyone has been circling. Oh, man, IU, North Carolina, and in Assembly Hall is going to be great. North Carolina had the worst week for a number one team. And I don't even think it was that bad, honestly. It's just based on how they fell. Like, it was a good week for them, honestly. You know, you take a couple losses, but... You lose to Iowa State, who's now in top 25, and you lose to Alabama, and I know they're missing Nick Smith Jr., but you take them like five or six overtimes. I know you're number one team. You should be winning the game in regulation. But it's like 
they're hurt. North Carolina is hurt. Like Armando Baker has a shoulder injury, and just there's a lot of question marks now with North Carolina on like how healthy they are, and it gets to the point to where IU should have won that game. I like everyone is so excited about it. It's not a number one team anymore. They they went from one to eighteen, you know, and so it's just one of those things to where. Um, Yeah, IU should have won that game. They should have won by, like, 20 or 30, not 12. And, you know, just IU supposedly dominated the whole game. And they did. I mean, if you watched that game, you you knew IU was going to win the entire time. But why is North Carolina staying so close in that game? It's not an impressive win in my eyes. um, I'm not saying that just – well, at first I'm saying it because of, you know, I'm wearing the – old gold and black colored shades. But now it's just like that win is not that impressive to me just because North Carolina's beat up. They're, I don't want to say laughing stock of the country, but everyone knows what they did is the worst fall from one to 18 that we've ever seen a number one team do. And now I use this like, oh yeah, it's a really good win for us. Now, you beat them by 12. You're at home. You had all the advantages. They're hurt. They're down. And yet they're just like, they only they, you only win by 12. Do not understand it. That game should have been a 20 to 25 point game. And just didn't happen. So I don't know what's going to happen when conference comes around. I know that Purdue has their first conference game on Sunday. So, um, yeah, just intrigued to see what all happens there. So, um, yeah, that is my uh, college basketball talk for the week. Now, let's jump into the worst blowout we have ever seen in NBA history. So, as I said, there was um, on basketball reference, you can always just look up this day in basketball history, basketball reference pops up with whatever day it is, and... December 2nd, 2021, the Memphis Grizzlies defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder for the largest margin of victory in NBA history. Grizzlies set the record for the largest margin of victory in a game with 73 and a 152-79 win over the Thunder. So now, that makes me wonder, what are the largest margins of victory in a game? And... The last one to happen that was this large was in 1991, the Cleveland Cavaliers beat, well, let me see. It was the margin of 68 against the Heat, 148 to 80 in a rough go for Steve Smith leading the way with 15. And then Kevin Edwards off the bench with 10. Wow, for the Cavs. Holy, oh, man. Winston Bennett had 11. Brad Do- Brad Doherty had 17. And Mark Price had 18. Then off the bench, Hot Rod Williams has 16. John Battle with 11. Danny Ferry with 11. Henry James with 17. And Jimmy Oliver with 11. So that's a heck of a game from the Cavs. And then in 1998, the Indiana Pacers beat the Trailblazers by 65, 124 
to 59. Jeez. So for the Trailblazers, Isaiah Ryder had 11. Rasheed Wallace had 14. He led the way. And then off the bench, Walt Williams had 13. And there's a lot of minuses on this. Isaiah Ryder had a minus 35. And the plus minus. There was three players on on Portland's team that had a minus 35. Um, let's see here. For the Pacers, Reggie Miller had 11. Rick Smith had 12. Mark Jackson leading the way with 18. Chris Mullen had 10. Dale Davis had 12. I love this Pacers team. This is just such a good team. Jalen Rose had 13. Travis Best had 10. And Antonio Davis had 12 with Rose, Best, and Davis. And Antonio Davis coming off the bench. Highest plus minus for... Pacers player is tied among Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, and Travis Best at plus 37. Incredible. So now we get into the Memphis Grizzlies game. December 2nd, 2021. Memphis Grizzlies 152. Oklahoma City Thunder 79. Grizzlies go to 12 and 10 while the Thunder are 6 and 16 at this point in the season. For the Thunder, honestly, balanced scoring. Not going to lie. Like, I mean, there's some guys where you wish they'd have more than two or three points. But, I mean, five guys scored in double figures. Ty Jerome had 12. Trey Mann had 12. Lou, Lou Dort had 15. Isaiah Roby had 11. And Mike Muscala had 12 with Roby and Muscala coming off the bench. And then for the Grizzlies. Tyus Jones had 10. Jaron Jackson Jr. had a game high of 27. Dylan Brooks had 11. And off the bench, Santi Aldama had 18. John Concher, Concar, excuse me, I believe, had 17. Xavier Tillman had 11. De'Anthony Melton had 19. Brandon Clark with 11. And Jared Culver also with 11. Um, so... When you look at that, you know, the Thunder have five players scoring in single digits and five in double digits, while the Grizzlies have only three players scoring in single digits and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players in double digits. Incredible. And then for the plus minus, this is brutal. Lou Dort, no, sorry, I read, I'm reading this wrong. Um, Lou Dort was in second with minus 53 for plus minus. And Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a minus 56 as he only tallied two points. And for the Grizzlies, the most plus minus was off of the bench with Santi Almada with fifty with a plus 52. Inactives for this game was Derek Favors, Josh Giddy, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Vit Krechi, Theo Maladon, and Aaron Wiggins for the Thunder. And then the Grizzlies were missing Kyle Anderson, Sam Merrill, John Morant, Eves Pons, and Zaire Williams. Um, wow, just a beatdown. There's no other way to say it. And, um... The Grizzlies were without John Morant, and 
Uh, and I, I understand, like, the Thunder are without Favors and Gideon, Gildas Alexander, but at, with that, just, is that enough to say? It wouldn't have been the biggest deficit in NBA history, but it's still a blowout. And, you know, just utter, I don't even, that's just, just a beat down. No other way to say it. And so, with that, um, I decided, I knew this podcast was going to run a little bit short, so I have decided, I found the full game highlights on the NBA's YouTube page, so if you want to click in the link below, or if you go to a different device and click the link below, we can watch this together. I'm going to try not to stop it, so if I do, I will say stop, and We'll just go ahead and take a look at this. So I'm going to go ahead and hit play. I'm going to let this ad run. I Yeah, I don't have YouTube Premium. I know. So um, I don't know how this will work. So let's just, we're going to see what happens with this. Um, if it doesn't work, or we just won't do it unless until I like have video at some point. Or if it does work, then we can do it. And we'll do it with video. So, just um, got to see what happens here. And starting the video, I believe it's Adams and Robinson Earl on the tip. So, Tyus Jones going to get it over to Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson Jr. getting his first points on the board early. That's why he's going to end up leading the game in points. Aria Steele and Dylan Brooks with a nice little Euro step there. That's incredible. 4 nothing. Dort going to hit a 3. There it is. So it's not like it was a blowout, at least from the very start. Oh, never mind. It, it just went to 12-6. Make that 12-8. So it's it's close, but, you know, there's some there's just some games where if you're not close the whole time, it's just gonna be exponentially bigger in terms of how you're gonna lose and Melton just drills a three. Jaron Jackson drives in, nice little layup up and in. This is just Jackson Jr. Oh my god. So I think Jackson Jr. had one of those nights to where you knew he was going to go off just because when he's hitting threes like that, it's incredible. Xavier Tillman with a big boy and one. He was one of those guys I never thought was going to make it into the NBA the way that he did. I mean, he stuck around. He's not a star or anything, but he stuck around. Tyus Jones is another one of those guys where I was like, really? I don't know if this guy is um, going to do anything. So right now we have an ad. This, this, this is going to be tough with these ads going through. But um, so far, Dort is obviously going to have to carry the weight. We know that he's going to lead the team in scoring with 15. But, I mean, like he's already had like five so far. So there's not a lot coming from him here in a minute. Yeah, but Tyus Jones is one of those guys to where I'm surprised that he stuck on after Minnesota just because um I didn't think 
he was going to be that great to begin with. It's just weird with those kind of like, like the best college point guards, you never really see them make into the NBA. Because like Frank Mason is always a guy I go to. He won national player of the year. He's a point guard at Kansas. And, you know, he just didn't stick at all. And so it's weird. And I understand Tyus Jones left early. He was a one-and-done guy. But at the same time, you kind of wonder, is he a one-and-done guy? I think he's just going because everyone else is. And he knew his stock was high. I mean, I think he was still a first-round pick. But, um, yeah, still one of those guys I didn't think would do much after um, leaving Duke. Or even I didn't think he would sign our contract. So good for Tyus Jones. Speaking of which, he's going to bank it right off the glass. Scores 36-23. Uh, ooh, nice little putback from, I don't even know who that is, number 17 on the Thunder. I don't really want to check because, like I said, I don't want to pause anything. And uh, De'Anthony Melton had a huge slam. Incredible. Jackson Jr. is going to bring it up the floor, lay it up and in, and one. Um, yeah, when it, when your big guy is bringing it up the floor like that and just easily getting the basket, you know that he's on it. Steven Adams is just a man among boys. He's a giant among men, honestly. You got the Aquaman vibes going on. Melton, another three-pointer, got it. 51-28. See, it's, like, it's close. If you get it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that big of a scoring uh, margin. <laughs> Jackson hits an R3. Um, but it just gets exponential. And it's like, if you can't keep up, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Jackson Jr., I mean, his dad was a player in the NBA, and then he goes to Lalamere. Lalamere uh, it's not a high school. It's like a, it's an academy. It's a, it's a prep school. Uh in northeast northwestern indiana some uh it's what i would think would be um a perfect recruiting ground for purdue but we really only get a couple guys out of lalamere every now and then they're not even the best guys on the team brandon clark is a pure athlete we got brandon clark just like you would see him at gonzaga doing the most ridiculous blocks dunking in the most ridiculous spots and you're just like okay this guy's a pure athlete and again, a guy, I will say this with a lot of people, I'm not the best talent evaluator. I will admit that firsthand. I thought Aaron Wheeler was going to be the best player on Purdue's, um, in Purdue's freshman class when it was Trevion Williams, Sasha Stavanovich, Eric Hunter, and Aaron Wheeler. I just thought Aaron Wheeler was going to be the best. Based on what he did in the NCAA tournament as a freshman, I thought he was going to be a lot better than what he was. So, uh, we're on ad right now, by the way. Um, so, yeah, just um, when I saw Brandon Clark, I'm like, yeah, he'll be fine on the NBA team, but, I mean, he's not going to be – like, I didn't think he was going to stick around at all. And, I mean, he's like, he was like the 13th or 15th overall pick, so, like, there's a lot of stock in him. But, um, oh, my God, a ridiculous that. The Grizzlies had 40 points in the paint compared to, like, eight for the Thunder. 67-35 is the score, and Melton just a nice little floater. But, yeah, so um, we get into all of these 
evaluations to where some guys, it's clear as day they're going to be fine. They're going to be good in the NBA. Sometimes it's, it's you think they're going to be good, but they're not. Other times, you think they're not going to make it at all, and they're going to be an all-star. So, just, it's tough to evaluate talent. Like, even people, like, teams mess it up all the time. And it's, and like, these scouts get paid, I mean, a lot of money. And, you know, like, sometimes it's just hard to determine what this, if they'll be different in a different situation. I mean, Jackson Jr. hitting another three. He's just on it. Um, so, like, teams screw this up all the time. And I think it's not just basketball. I think that there's less of a um, percentage in terms of, pure misses in basketball as opposed to like football or baseball. But I mean, when you're putting 60 people on a team, Jackson Jr., another three, just <sighs> telling when you have those nights, I'll, I'll finish my first point, but there, you have put a lot of people on a team. You're, yeah. You're going to miss a lot of people who are going to be good or not, but it happens all the time. And a lot of fans just think that they're better talent evaluators. They're just not. I mean, you're, Trust me, we're way worse than what people who are actually getting paid for it are. Um, but on to nights where when you're on it, you're on it. Um, I've had some of those nights, and um, I never did much with them. Like, the most I would score would be, like, 12 or 15, something like that. Nothing spectacular when you're on one. But um, I've had games like that to where... I was in a JV game once, and I hit three threes right in a row just to start out the game. And um, they started doing a box and one on me. Like, I've gotten box and one a couple times. Like, and it feels good. It feels really good. If you don't know a box and one, it's just to where a team will go zone. They'll make a box. Like, they'll just be on the elbows and on the blocks. And then um, you'll have one person being shadowed by a guy. So there's your box and one. So I've been boxing one a ton of time, not a ton. I don't want to say a ton. I, it's happened a few times in my life though. And it feels good each time, but like this team starts boxing, wanting me. And eventually varsity coach tells the JV coach, Hey, pull him. Cause we might need him for varsity game because you have a certain amount of quarters for every night. Like I believe it's six quarters, five or six quarters that you get per night. So you can play four quarters on JV, but you're only going to be available for one or two quarters of um, varsity basketball. So I had, and oh, there's a little mess up there. Um, one thirty-three sixty-five. Your score is six and a half, like seven minutes left in the game. But um, yeah, when you're on, you're just on. There's like, it it's not hard on you to get your shot up. Like sometimes when you're not on, like. It feels so effortless to do that. And um, I've also had games to where I would hit a ton of threes, but I couldn't stay out of foul trouble. So I had to, I was taking myself out of the game. But I would go like four for four, five for five from three, but I would have four or five fouls and I would just be done for a night. You couldn't play me anymore because if I get another foul, I'm out for sure. But, um, yeah, when you have those nights and some of it can go on for weeks. And so now the score is 150-77. But um, it can go on for 
a week at a time where you're just on fire. I've also had that. And there it is. Final score, 152-79 with 4-3-2-1 on the clock, and that is it. So, um, yeah, and that is the end of the video. So we'll put that away. But um, I've had that once to where I was on for an entire week. It was right before, uh, right where I grew up, The one of the most important things like in the regular season is our Shelby County tournament. It's like, it's, I want to say wide known. I, I'd want to say that because it started with, you know, you, there's technically five teams in my county, but one of them is bigger than the other school. So it's a, it's a tournament between four teams. And um, it became a thing to where whoever won the game, whoever won a tournament got the Shelby County Bell, which was made at my high school by um, the woodshop teacher who was there at the time. And it was made way back in the day. It's just a little, little, uh, just wooden bell. If you go on my Twitter and uh, go through my media and like all the pictures I've posted, I have a picture of that where I'm holding the original bell. Um, and again, thank you to the Hall of Fame for letting me. Um, hold it, let alone see it because, um, like, um, I just asked them cause I'd been there before and they had it, it was set up. And I, so I was like, um, do you still have the Shelby County bell? Cause I didn't know if like, cause sometimes people like loan stuff to a hall of fame or a museum or something like that. And then they'll take it back after one. Like, Oh no, we have it still in storage. You want to go see? I'm like, if that's fine. Yeah. Um, so I have a picture of me holding that bell. Um, so that's the tournament that everyone is excited for throughout regular season. And um, we we had a first-round matchup against defending state champion Morristown. And they're returning, they're returning a few guys from that state championship team. Um, and one of them who, who had just scored a, a triple-double in a state championship game, which I don't think has happened a ton, or I don't think it's happened. It, I don't... I don't want to say it hasn't happened since, but it's been four, it's been like five years. So it's safe to say it hasn't happened since. But, um, so we're going into it. We're, my team is like, we're, we're preparing. We're, we feel, we never go into a game feeling like we're going to lose. At least I never did. My team wasn't successful when I played, but I didn't feel like we were going to lose at all when going to a game, as you shouldn't. That just doesn't make any sense. But um, that whole week, I was on fire. Just you could not stop me. If I got the ball and you left me an inch too open, I am shooting it and I'm going to make it. I'm running down the R. I'm running down the RN. And, again, it was all week, all week, all week. And get to the game on Friday, and I still feel good during warm-ups. And, I got to school early so I could shoot around a little bit, get just get it warm. And then in warm-ups, I'm still hitting them. And then I scored the first points in the game on a layup. I didn't even hit a three. And then I shoot a three, and I airball it. And then I didn't really get the ball. I think I got the ball. I didn't want to shoot it, though, even though, like, I was, I was hot. And um, so... 
and I I go back and I I go through that week so much just thinking, man, when should I have like settled down and just like stop shooting for a little bit so I could continue to stay warm or like why didn't I just keep shooting the ball? I would they were going in before and I go back on it all the time and um I I don't want to say that if I'm hitting the shots that we win the game, but I know that I if I'm hitting shots, adjustments have to be made to where people who are better than me were going to get the ball and they were going to score for sure. So, um, yeah, I always look back on that on that week and say, why didn't why didn't I just keep shooting it? Um, so you have those moments, you know, where you can be on fire or you can just be as cold as ice. And um, it's it feels if it's so gratifying to be on fire just because knowing that you've been doing so well that you feel good enough to where you don't have to make any adjustments to your shot. You just put it up and in. And again, you're going down to play defense. Then you come back, put it up and in, you're going back. And um, Jaron Jackson Jr. was on, you could tell, just the kind of shots he's taking. The way that you shoot indicates how good you feel. If it's not methodical and you're just throwing it up and it's still going in, you're on fire. And um, because a lot of times you can tell when someone's like, all right, First step, second step, put it up and in. It's fast. It has to be fast. But you can still kind of tell, like, all right, he has to go through a certain motion to put the ball up. When a guy can get the ball and just straight up shoot it and it doesn't seem like he's doing anything with emotion at all, um, he's on fire. Or they're on fire. And um, so it's just... Jaron Jackson Jr. just was on it that night and clearly scored 27. He went 6 of 7 from 3. That's another way you can tell someone's on fire. When when your power forward center is shooting 85% from 3, he's on fire. He went 9 of 11 from the field overall and from the free throw line, 3 of 3. Three rebounds, one assist, two steals, a block, two blocks, a turnover. I mean, a 1 to 1, a 1 to 1 turnover assist turnover ratio from a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. on a night like that. Yeah, sure. And he didn't foul. He had no fouls at all. Grizzlies only fouled 15 times, and the Thunder only fouled 14 times. So it's not even like, oh, well, they were shooting a ton of free throws. No, like Grizzlies went 13 of 18 for 72%, and the Thunder went 18 of 22 for 81%. So, I mean, calls were even here. It's not like a team was being favored. So, yeah, just like. We're on fire. There's nothing else like it. And I couldn't imagine being on fire in the NBA because, like, 
if you're on fire again in the NBA going against the best guys in the world, you're real. You're you're on top of the world that night. You like people can look at you and say, as of right now, at this minute, this guy is the best player in the world. Just of how he's playing, how confident he is, the swagger that he has, and just it's so effortless for him at this moment. In a grand scheme, is he the best player in the world? No. But in that moment, people can consider him the best player in the world. Just know our way around it. So, yeah, with that, that will be it for this week's episode. Just uh, want to thank you for listening. Again, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. We're getting ready to get into the uh, Christmas holiday season. So, um, yeah, super excited for that. Um, just be sure to follow me on Twitter at DeverHard00, and I'll talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.